Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, it is just me and Spags today. We are talking about the offense. What else would we be talking about right now? And Tom Brady and his weapons, because honestly, that's it. That's the conversation, because that's all that's going on right now. At the end of the show, we do have an interesting hypothetical as well. So stick around. It's a heck of a show. So buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. We are back, and uh, man, that was that was ugly. It's been a long week. Yeah, I, I was saying. I think I texted you after the game. I wish we recorded a little bit sooner because I was so angry. Uh, it was so <laughs> such a frustrating game because you felt like, um, and you know we're gonna get on the offense, but they started and it was garbage time. And you know Houston, you know as a as a defense and a team, especially them undisciplined, you kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. You got this game, so you know you're not gonna play as tight defensively. But I think. You know, if they had another three, four minutes in that game, the way the defense was playing, I think they get a chance to win that game. Obviously, the onside kick goes off Bolden's fingertips. You right. know, what what it could have, should have. But um, I think definitely in that fourth quarter, we saw some bright spots in that offense. But um, overall, uh, just, just another dud. And that's really, um, you know, four straight weeks. I know Baltimore, they were able to string 20 together, but uh, they kind of dug themselves too deep of a hole, giving up 17 early and then having to dig back similar in this game, you know, Dallas, you only get the one touchdown score, 13 points. I know that the weather didn't, you know, fare too well. And then Philly 10 points like they, they have had, you know, a really a month now where this offense has just been just awful and just so boring. Like, you know, it, it's one of those things where you watch, you watch the offense, the Patriots we've known for under Tom Brady, at least it's been so fun to watch. You you know, you get to third down, it's almost automatic. I know, you know, you had Rob Gronkowski for so long and Randy Moss way back when. So, you know, the weapons were definitely there, but now it's like third, third downs. You're like biting your fingernails. You know, you're expecting a punt every time. Right. Well, I mean, they're what third in the league in punts. It's just like ridiculous. They just keep punting. And, you know, I mean, I know that there's a, a lack of weapons and we're going to obviously talk about all that stuff. But, you know, at a certain point, we, you just got to figure it out. You just got to figure it out at a certain point. And I know, you know, you, you talk about starting the year and uh, and there's, you know, a, pl- a plethora of, of of talent, uh, you know, around Brady at starting the year. You know, you had Demarius Thomas, 
you had Josh Gordon, you had, you know, Antonio Brown, you had those guys. And, you know, and I do, I will say though, Lou Merloni, uh, well, somehow I'm going to give credit to Lou Merloni here, but he said like going into camp, going into camp, this was the receiving core. You didn't have Josh Gordon. You didn't have Antonio Brown. So this was the receiving core heading into camp. And obviously you had Demarius Thomas who like, who stinks? Like, come on, it's Demarius Thomas, right? But this was the receiving core going into camp. They started the year with that. Now, obviously, they were hoping for Gordon to come back, and he did. But like, but that's what you started the year with. So it's not like it's not like something catastrophic happened halfway through, and you know, and all of a sudden you lost four pieces, which you did lose pieces, but they were pieces that got added after the season started or after training camp started. And it's like, well, you didn't do enough in the offseason, you know, to build up the receiving core enough. Now you took a chance on Demarius Thomas and like he just wasn't ready. He wasn't going to work out. You drafted a, a receiver in the first round, and honestly, you know, it's just how often is a is is a rookie receiver has he connected with Brady? And I know Malcolm Mitchell. They don't win in 2016 without Malcolm Mitchell. That's very true. But how much of an impact did he have during the season? And yeah, like he, and, and you know, on that too, the only receiver in terms of wide receivers I know Gronk and Hernandez blew it away just because of their talent and their position. Um, and the kind of the schemes they were running then, but the most receptions ever by a rookie receiver under Brady was Dion Branch. He had 43. Right. Jacoby Myers is sixth right now with 22. So that that right. goes to show you that coming into camp, just from the history, you weren't really expecting so much from Nikhil Harry. And I know it's been three games, and and we'll get into you know his game because it was just it was so blah, just really all around the board. But when you talk about weapons, and I think it's interesting you say that. When you write it out on paper, right? Say you get you go in a three wide receiver set with two running backs. Say you get you know Julian Edelman, Muhammad Sanu, Philip Dorsett as your wide receivers, and then you get you know say you're in a passing, you get Burkhead and White in the backfield. What's you know of those five guys, and then Ben Watson too, right? You throw Ben Watson or Malakos who can make some plays, right? They're not going to be your first option, but push or shove, push comes to shove, they can make a play. I really, when you write it out on paper. It's not that bad. That's better than most teams in the league. You know, you don't have a burner. You don't have a superstar. You know, Edelman's great, but like you saw the other night when he gets doubled, you kind of have to spread the ball around and guys' jobs become, you know, that much more important, especially when, you know, you're in one-on-one coverage, which they really couldn't win on all. They haven't won on in four weeks, really. But when you draw it up like that, it's really not that bad. So that's why it's kind of so frustrating. Yeah. You know, they're not the Patriots offensive old where you have Grob Gronkowski, you know, Edelman, where the, both of them kind of worked off each other when one was doubled, the other one was wide open type of thing. You don't have that anymore, and you don't have really anybody that can spread the field. But on paper, like, they, they're not that, – that's not that bad. They got to figure this out, man. Right. Well, you know, and look, when you say man coverage, beating man coverage, I mean, I remember back in 2016, they went down 28-3 to in the Super Bowl. The reason they went down twenty eight to three in the Super Bowl is because they couldn't beat man coverage. That's a, that's mm-hmm. on on a Super Bowl winning team, which again didn't have Gronk, but did have Martellus Bennett and did have Edelman and had Hogan and had Amendola and Malcolm Mitchell was the guy who finally started beating man coverage, and so they just kept throwing to him. And so you know, I, I think the biggest problem that they have, and when you list out the the weapons, they're pretty good. They're not bad. The problem that you have is that you don't have geysers it's almost like guys are slotted in the wrong spot right yeah when you had gronk you couldn't double gronk and edelman you couldn't do that 
Edelman is not beating double coverage. He's just not. He's not that type of guy. And that's okay. But when he's your number one option, and when I know I only have to double Gronk, and I don't have to, I don't have to worry about the tight end being great. So I can bring a safety down and cover the back coming out of the backfield. Well, that's your weapon. Your weapon is putting James White on the linebacker and beating that linebacker. Well, now you're not doing that anymore because they have a safety on James White. And yeah. or or corners, right? Like you yeah. said. And so that's really the issue. Then you have a guy like Philip Dorsett, who is a great third or fourth option, but he's not any better than that. And so if he's any higher than three, and really even three is a stretch. And we've been saying that all year. Right. And and that's and so the problem is that he's not slotted in the right spot. What you really need to have is you need to have Edelman on the field, you need to have Sanu on the field, and you need to have Nikhil Harry on the field. And the reason why Nikhil Harry has to be on the field is because he's the guy that can use his body to beat single coverage. So you what you need to do is develop a rapport with this kid and say, you can't put one guy on this guy. And now, I, if you and get I think the problem fine, but you can't is, put one guy on him because he can beat you with his body. I wish they'd use him more. It, it, not not necessarily like Gronk because it's so you can't you can't fill that right. void of what he did. But you know, hit him through the seam. You know, use that big body in the middle of the field to spread it out. They're they're lining him out wide, and you know, you know, it's obviously been a small sample size. What's he got? Five catches in three games, right? Or so, something right. like very limited, like, like that. that. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of him, I, and I didn't, you know, I'll never really disagree with Belichick. Um, but what, one thing, and I know it was a terrible route by him, but it was also on Brady. Like, I give the blame 50-50 there. He never, and I'm talking about the pick on Bradley Roby in the in the first quarter. Right. Um, you know, I don't think Brady ever should have threw that ball, but Nikhil Harry's 6'3", 230, and Bradley Roby's 5'11", 190. You can't get out muscled like that and, and just run such a poor out. He was so lazy out of his break. And that's something he struggled with really all camp. Lazar has noted it for that long. It was on his draft report. So like why why even bother with that? Use him in the you know use him like Gronk. Run a little play action. Hit him through the seam. He's that big. He can do that stuff. Um, I just think it's a lack of confidence for himself, both in the coaching staff. Like when you're coming in, obviously he's on IR for the first eight weeks, so it's tough to say. But you know, was it really necessary to bury the kid like that? You know, after that, I know it's such a dog, you know, it's such a dog shit route and kind of a dog shit play on his part. But I think he played 10 snaps the rest of the game. And I think nine of them were run run plays, right. you know, and I think, you know, um, we talked about it before the show. The next three times they got in the red area, they ended up scoring on both the whites touchdowns and the Edelman at the end of the game. Like that's a guy that you can't just bury him as a first round pick. Cause he made one mistake, like give him a chance, especially in a game like that, where you, you know, the game was lost really in the third quarter, get him out there in red zone situation, see what he can do. Look what they did last week. That beautiful back shoulder catch over Byron Jones. He's a, he's a freaking one of the best safeties in the league. Let him right. do that type of stuff. Like give him that situation. Give him that, you know, f- get his confidence up. That's basically what I'm saying. Well, no, and he, he can, help. He can right. help them. Right. You're hundred percent. Right. And they talk about it in all sorts of sports, right? Where it's like, you can't put the guy in a short leash because, and they talk about, you know, when you, when you look at a quarterback and, and they talk about, you know, quarterback situations all the time, you can't have the guy looking over his shoulder where he feels like if I throw a pick, I'm done. You know, like, you know, I'm one bad game or one bad play away from getting benched. And here's a rookie who comes in to an organization that's been doing it forever. His quarterback is the greatest of all time. And, and you know, and everything else wide receiver drafted under Belichick. He knows that. Right. 
It's the first first round wide receiver taken by Belichick, and that's and that's that's huge. And so Belichick obviously recognized the need and said, "This kid is the guy." He could have taken Debo Samuel, and he didn't. He could have taken a lot of guys, and he DK, didn't. He's a second DK, wide receiver. Oh. He's a second wide receiver off the board. The only one that went before him was Hollywood Brown. And so it's like, and so you say, okay. Well, now I have some big shoes to fill, and I got to go out there and I got to do well. But he's a confident guy, and you got to keep his confidence up. You you can't look at it and say, okay, you ran one bad route, you're done. Like, what what are we doing here? That doesn't, you know, what kind of mess are you sending? And listen, I know it's the way Belichick has done it, and I know it's the way Brady has done it too, right? And you know, you know, and Tony Maz, of course, wants to point the figure all Brady, and it's all Brady, and it's all Brady, and it's all Brady. And like, you can say nah. that all you want, and you know, it, it's Brady's attitude, and it's Brady's this. But let me tell you something right now. Whatever Tom Brady's been doing the last 20 years, that's not good enough anymore. He can't do that. He can't just be the quarterback. That doesn't work because you have guys that don't know the system well enough, that aren't in tune with you yet because they're new to the system or they're just new to the league. You got a guy in Sanu you required halfway through the season. You get two rookies that are out there and they're playing prominent roles. And so, I, like, and, and Jacoby Myers has done a fantastic job. I really think so. Right. And, and look, people can say that they, that he stinks and, and whatever. And th- that's fine. They can say that all they want. And Myers is never going to be a number one wide receiver in the NFL. Like, uh, no. we know that, right? But he that doesn't mean he can't be a third, fourth option. And those guys can play for years. As long as they can catch the ball on a consistent basis, they can play for years. So it doesn't really matter whether, you know, whether he's going to be a number one receiver or not. But you have to get those guys involved and you have to go out of your way to bring them involved and to make them understand what it is that you're looking for. And if that means you have to tailor your offense a little bit and you say, look, we know, Nikhil Harry, you're not Josh Gordon. We're not going to have you run the Josh Gordon routes. We're not having you run quick slants and 10 yard ins because your route tree isn't as good. And that's not the type of guy you are. Yeah, physically, you have the physicality of a guy like Josh Gordon. But you don't have the experience of him, and that's not really your strong suit. So instead of doing that, we're going to keep you on the outside. We're going to have you run curl routes. We're going to have you run, you know, uh, fade routes. We're going to have you run hitch routes. Whatever the case may be, you got to figure out something to do with this kid because he needs to be a consistent contributor. And if that means Brady needs to spend time with Harry, aside from everyone else, working with Harry, Sanu, and and um, uh, and Jacoby. And like saying, I, "Hey, I, this is what we're doing." Then that's I what think you need to that's, do. but Pat, that that I think it's too late for that. And you know, I don't want to sound like a Felger and Maz type of guy, where you know, the the opportunity was here in the spring, and you know, he could have. But like, like you said, these were the guys coming into camp. Brady knew what this was on on paper, right? You know, it, how long does it really take you to build, you know, rapport and, and and confidence in your receiver really where, and we talked about it and I wrote it down during the game, like, yeah, oh, they'll get it right. They'll get it right. But like, you know, in terms of a passing game, especially someone like Tom Brady and building confidence in their receivers, how long does that really take, man? Like that, that, that takes games. Like you got four games left before, Hey, it's, it's winner go home. You know, right. they got to get this thing rolling and, and granted, they're going to face two good teams the last four weeks. You know, Kansas City, you know, granted their their defense is nothing special. And I think this is a good opportunity for them. We've been saying it for weeks, but I think yeah. this is a good opportunity for them to at least take a step forward because we saw that the Dallas game, you know, they did put 13 points on the board. That really doesn't show them the justice they did. Like Brady played well. The run game got going. Win's been good since he's been back. 
Yeah. And we've been saying it for weeks, like, all right, they're building, they're building. And then last week, they just take a major step back. But right. I think, you know, back to my original point, I kind of went off there. But, you know, it takes some time to build confidence in receivers. And I'm just nervous that, hey, it's just too little too late for them. Right. Well, and I agree with you. I mean, it certainly could be, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't try. And, oh, you know, absolutely. I think, and I'm I sure they are. Right. But, I mean, I, I'm saying extra effort, you know, and, and I know Tom does his thing and, he expects the best from his receivers, and I get that. I understand that. It takes a lot to get in that circle of trust of Brady. It does. But, like, he had Nikhil Harry out to his house. He was working out with Nikhil. Like, he, this is a guy that is the number one pick. Like, they spent a first-round pick on a wide receiver because they know that he needed guys around him that could make plays, and he can make plays. And, you know, yeah, he ran one bad route against Houston, but he made a great catch against Dallas in the corner of the end zone. And we haven't had a guy that can do that in a long time. I know Josh Gordon made a few good catches when he was here, but that looked a lot like the Antonio Brown catch from from the uh, from the Miami. We haven't game. seen that that type of throw or route since he's been here. A right. sma- I mean, I know Brown's was more of like a smash fade, and right. you know, Harry's was just kind of a go to the back of the end zone. But, like, that back shoulder, that was he's probably two for two on him this year. And that's yeah. his bread and butter. That's what you saw. And all over right. his college film, jump ball guy, red zone threat, which right. I know, like I said, it's been three games, but give the kid a chance. Like, let's go. Yes. Let's get him going because I think he can help you, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. Get him going. And well, just a little thing, tidbit. Though. I saw Mike Giardi. He asked Dorsett today about what's going through his head when Tom Brady's yelling because, you know, you hear, oh, Brady's moping and sulking, which he is. And I think he needs to, you know, I'm a huge Brady guy, but you gotta you gotta tone it down a little bit. You know, it's it's right. bad body language from him. It doesn't, and and that's the other thing with the two rookies. They see that they're like, like that that's gonna intimidate you. You know what I mean? Like especially a kid like Myers and Harry who grew up watching him. They're my age. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But he said, I always listen to it. It honestly pumps me up. Makes me want to play harder for him. I don't think it's anything about our physical ability. We just gotta dig deeper and play harder for him. So I, you know, I think. You know, they understand the message is there, but it's just putting it all together. And and I I tweeted out a few days ago, obviously we're recording on Wednesday, or I tweeted it today. Um, Brady's 23 incompletions. Yeah, you look at that, that's awful, especially for someone like him, how accurate he is. Eight of them are on him. Four of them, five of them, miscommunications, wrong routes. You know, he really, he had plenty of time to throw too. I think he had the most time all all year. He um, did, On Sunday night to throw, just no one was getting open. Right. No, it's, you know, it's, it's true. I mean, I will say uh, about the whole Brady thing and going off and stuff, they, uh, he did this puff piece thing, uh, with him, you know, at the TB12 studio and everything else. It was, you know, basically a puff piece selling TB12 method and all this other crap. But he was talking about his marriage and, you know, Giselle and stuff. And he said the three C's that he does. And, and I thought it was interesting because I thought it was something that would apply to the game as well, because obviously, you know, the football team is like a family. And he said, you know, clear current communication and i just thought like it's interesting like brady's talking about being clear with the people around him being current so not bringing up something that happened last week or two weeks ago or three weeks ago with you like this is what's going on right now and then always staying in communication i just thought like to me it's one of those things where it's like yeah brady came off and was yelling on the sideline okay he's been doing that for years he's been doing this for years this is what he does like I, I everyone gets so upset about it. And it's like the the Baltimore game. Um, the heck, what year was that? Was that seventeen or 20, 16? 16, 16. Malcolm Mitchell's 16. touchdown. Yeah, Hogan took Ho- it to the house. Hogan, right? Okay, so twenty sixteen. Yeah. He come off the field and he 
spiked his water bottle. He was clearly pissed about about some sort of miscommunication that he had. He was chewing people out. Like this is what he's been doing and his that, entire. That was career. arguably the best year of his career. Too. Right. I mean, I know the 50 touchdowns, but like given what happened and the suspension, right. that was no, the best, best year of yeah. his career. And so that's the thing is and like, doing you know, it then. right. He just, this is what he does. He always does it, but he's under the magnifying glass because they're playing bad right now and he's not looking good. And listen, is he declining? No. Is he as good as he was 10 years ago? Probably not. Like he's 42. Like just, this is what happens. Okay. You get and, a little bit older and so you can't do the things you did, but like, but it's not like he's lost. It's not like he's lost it. He can still zip the ball in there. He's still fairly accurate for the most part. I, I don't, I, I just, he's not in decline. He's just, you know, well, I guess, I guess theoretically, right? I guess technically you would say he's quote unquote in decline because he's getting, he's not as good as he was, but it's not like he fall, he fall off a cliff. He's like a tiny bit worse than he was last year or two years ago. These, that's what happens every year. Like it's just these the last these last four weeks have felt a lot like last year. Obviously, it happened a little bit last year. Week 15, 14, 15, they lost last year. That was the first time they had lost back to back games in December. The right. Miami Miracle and yep. then Pittsburgh. And the Pittsburgh. The Houston game, the game Pittsburgh this game past week, I know is different. They lost 17 to 10 in Pittsburgh and and um, you know, they you know, the score really doesn't do them justice. I think they could have got blown out Sunday night. That game in yep. Houston really reminded me of that Pittsburgh game. Like, hey, you know, obviously they beat Dallas. The offense was eh. That was a team right. they had had success against, had yep. success in that building. You kind of went in there feeling very, very confident where it was kind of a reality check. Like, okay, we got to get this thing going. We really need to dumb it down and drill it in and find our identity as an offense. Right. And, you know, then they went into week 16, 17, they beat up on the Bills in Miami. So it really wasn't much. We didn't really think much of it. But I think, you know, looking forward, not really to beat a dead horse. This is a good opportunity this week versus a Chiefs defense that struggled. You know, they're nothing special. They should have no problems putting up points on the board. And I think, you know, you, you thought that first Houston, you know, granted, would they score 22 garbage time? But yeah. they did have some success really in the second half, you know, midway after the Sanu drop on fourth and one, they had some success. They started to, you know, trend in the right direction. And I always think back right. to the Monday night game, 2014 in Kansas city. And Belichick said, yeah, we got blown out, but the second half of that game, we really found something that worked for us as an offense. And we stuck with that the rest of the year. I wonder if, you know, some of the things that they had found success with late in that game, they can kind of carry over and obviously facing a defense and, and, and a team that they're going to need. Pat, they're going to have to score more than 24 points this weekend. The defense is going to play yeah. well, but there's right. Kansas City still going to put it's up the, 24, 28 points. You you yeah. can give up 28 points versus the Chiefs and the defense could play great. Look at last last week. They gave up 28. Granted, Brady spotted them seven on the pick. They, they gave right. up less than 300 yards of offense. No one looked at the, the defense and said that's a problem giving up 28. They're just going to have to find a way to score enough points. And I think this is a, a game that reminded me of Pittsburgh last year. It was like, okay, we got to get this shit going, and we got to get it going fast with you know time ticket. So this is a good opportunity for them looking ahead this week to get things going and, and try to find things that work. No, I agree with you. I, I agree with, with everything you said. I mean, it's a great point. And so – you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens and, and uh, you know, and how they can do. I will say Kansas City game, and I know that people are talking about this as the game of the year and blah, 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 and all this other stuff and everything else. Here's what I will say, and everyone can take a deep collective breath right now because this game does not matter. It doesn't matter. 
does. If assuming Baltimore beats Buffalo, which I can't assuming Baltimore beats Buffalo, they have the number one seed wrapped up. Kansas City has four losses. You have two. That means all you have to do is win in Cincinnati, beat Buffalo at home, which I know Buffalo's a good team, but you're at home. You should win that game and then beat Miami last game of the season at home. That's all you got to do is win those three games. You're playing two of the worst teams in the NFL and and an home game. The Ravens got Buffalo now, this week. Go ahead. Then they get the Jets, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. They went out. I'm sorry they went out. But I mean, easy. Um, it's easy. Right. You know, so to say the Patriots, they lose, they win this week. They should win the next three. They're locking up the two seed. Where it gets right. interesting is Houston's schedule is super easy. And I know I don't want to say that because they're they're so inconsistent. They show up sometimes and they get spanked. But they get Denver right. at Tennessee, at Tampa, and then they get Tennessee again. They should have no right. problem winning three out of the four of those games, right? Say we mm-hmm, beat the Chiefs. Sure. They'll have the same record at the end of the year. They obviously get that one up on the on the on the Chiefs because they're head to head. So there. Correct. You don't it's the same situation we talked about last week with the one C where you were hoping the Chiefs and Ravens could get the two three. They beat up on each other. You only see one of them in the AFC title game. It's the same right. situation. You get Houston at home in the divisional round and then yes. you face Baltimore. Kansas City and hey, I I I would not bet against um the Chiefs winning that game. They they have a full capability of going into Baltimore, I think better than Houston does and beating Lamar oh, Jackson yeah. the Ravens just because of the quarterback and the weapons around them. They can score with Baltimore. That that's a whoever has the ball last type of game. Right. Um you know, and, and, no, and they beat yeah, them earlier yeah, this year. So that, that that's a hypothetical for us to look at. Like everyone looks at the two seed and you you know, you need home field, but really if you look at it that way, it, it's the same situation as one, four, two, three, like I just right. said. Well, and realistically, right, what you need, if you lose this week, then you're banking on Houston winning out, right? Houston has to win out in order for that scenario to happen. But I don't think that's unrealistic. They they have a pretty cream puff schedule as well at the end of the year. And so it's like, yeah, I think Houston could win out. Now, could Houston lose a game too because Houston is Houston? Sure, they could. And so obviously beating Kansas City would go a long way to locking them into that four seed, which would be good. And so, like, that's the one aspect where you can say, okay, that really matters. But again, from the Patriots' perspective, you're looking at Houston has four losses, Kansas City has four losses. Neither of those teams are going to catch you unless you somehow lose two of the last four games, which I I just I can't imagine that that's going to happen. It could, I suppose, theoretically. It's obviously possible. But I can't imagine they're actually going to lose two out of the next four games. And so if you lose to Kansas City, it's like, it's no big deal. Kansas City has four losses still. They're not going to catch you. Houston has four losses still. They're not going to catch you. Now, again, then you're relying on Houston to win out to get the three seed so you can play Houston and Kansas City can can go to Baltimore. But either way, if you can push Baltimore, you know, Kansas City to that four seed, I guess that makes this game a big game. And shoot, I mean, look, at this point, if Buffalo beats Baltimore, well, then now there's, there's your incentive to win because now and, you can get the one seed. And kind of to take us into the hypothetical you have lined up that we talked yeah. about, which I think is a lot of fun. Here's a little hypothetical for you, Patriots fans, and talking, you know, current times this year. Would you rather, and I know the home field, they haven't lost a, a home playoff game since 2012, I believe, versus Baltimore. So I know that's, you know, and they're unbeatable at home. They've won 20 straight. But 
Would you rather the one seed somehow Baltimore drops one, you get the one seed and you get Kansas City in the divisional round at home and then you got to turn around and play Baltimore at home in the AFC Championship game. Would you rather those two games at home or would you rather take Houston at home, which I'm sorry, they have literally no chance coming in here in January and winning. Bill <laughs> O'Brien is never going to do that again. They have no chance happen. winning here in January. Yeah. It's not going to happen. You right. get them the 2-3 matchup and then you get, maybe you go on the road and face Baltimore right? For the AFC championship game. Everyone thinks it's, it can't be done. You did it last year versus Kansas city when both of us had no faith in that I game. Zero I can honestly it. say it, you yeah. know, or, or the chiefs win and you get the chiefs at home in the AFC championship game. So then right. you're facing the chiefs, the Texans or the chiefs or Ravens home or away. I'd, I'll take the two seed any day. And I'm not just saying this because they lost. If that's the hypothetical, give me the two seed all day. Right? No, I agree with you. If, if, you know, if you can ensure that I play the Texans in the first round at home, it's a no-brainer. You have to take that option because, to me, the biggest problem, and and I've been saying this you know, for weeks now, you just can't play the Chiefs and the Ravens. You just can't. Those are the two can't. things that can't happen. Whether you're you the one seed, two teams. seed, six seed, right. you can't do it. It doesn't matter. You can't play both those teams. And so, like, so you look at it and say, okay, how can I not play those two teams? Okay, well, if I got to be the two seed and Houston's the three, great. What happens though is that if you do, if you are the two seed and Houston blows it and ends up at four, now you're playing Kansas yeah. City at home and, and then, then the you're going to go to Baltimore. Like that's a nightmare. But yeah, you know, I think we can I sit here all day and that, draw this. And that's really too. the issue, right? Is that, you know, you don't know what, you know, what's going to happen one way or the other. I think for the Patriots, you win this weekend. Just win this weekend, then it's done. But again, if you don't, it's not like you're going to lose the two seed. It's just that now you're banking on Houston winning and out. That, and, that, and that Buffalo that's scary game becomes a little bit more important. Yeah, which again, the Buffalo game is important anyways because remember, Buffalo's three losses. And so if you lose to Buffalo, you're looking at conference schedule. Now, I haven't looked at Buffalo's schedule. I don't know who Buffalo lost to, but if Buffalo lost to someone outside of the conference, which maybe they didn't, I don't know. But if Buffalo lost to someone outside the conference and that's where one of their three losses come from, you lose the division. And so like that, so that's a huge thing. So Buff, the Buffalo game is a big game no matter what because they only have three. They don't have four losses. They only have three. Now, if they lose this weekend to Baltimore, well, now it's a little bit different. Now it's like not as big. But, Buffalo has lost to Philadelphia. So see, they have lost to us and they have lost to, where's their third loss? Um, Cleveland. Yeah. So, so, okay. So then your three losses would be in the conference. And Baltimore and Buffalo's three losses, only two of them would be in the conference. So they would have yeah. a better conference record than you, which would give them the tiebreaker over you because obviously you would have split the season series. So if they were somehow able to beat Baltimore this week, well, then you have to beat Buffalo because otherwise they win the division. So that's so that's one of those things where that Buffalo game is a massive game no matter what. Um, you know, and obviously this game's important. I mean, you know, whatever. This game's important because it is, but it's again, if you lose. The world isn't over. It's not like you're going to lose the two seed because you lose this game. The Buffalo game is the game that's going to decide that. So mm -hmm. anyways, all right, let's get into this hypothetical because I, I uh, you know, as we're kind of talking about, and it's not the end of the dynasty, right? But everyone's been talking about the end of the dynasty and this and that and so on and so forth. So it kind of got me thinking, you know, about previous losses and stuff. And, you know, we've talked about this before and, and I'm obsessed with it because I, this game, in my opinion, is that, that, you know, the greatest loss in the history of sports is, is the 2007 uh, lost by the Patriots, obviously trying to go 19 and 0 and they lose and go 18 and one. And so we've had, you know, different, different hypotheticals and what would you give up this when you give up that and so on and so forth. And what would you do? And so my question though, is 
would you, and you know, and, uh, obviously you're going to answer the questions bags and I will as well, but you know, to the listeners out there as well, would you trade that 19 and 0 season? Okay. Trade that 19 and 0 season. You get that championship for two Patriots championships. Now the stipulation here is that one of the two has to be 28 to three. Cause that was a historic win. So you can't, Keep that historic win. You have to trade that one and another one, but then you get 19 and 0. And what's going to happen is that retroactively, somehow, you're going to have all the memories of all the celebrations you did after going 19 and 0. And so, like, all those things will have happened. Now, maybe you could get blown out by it. doesn't even matter. The other Super Bowls don't matter. It's like those, you know, maybe you didn't make the Super Bowl, maybe you lost in the AFC Championship game. Maybe it doesn't matter, right? It, it doesn't make a difference. Either way, you didn't win the Super Bowl those years. But you did win in tw- in 2007, which gave you a, a you know perfect season. Are you trading two championships for the 07 one? Now, a few things, and I'm going to let you answer Spags, but a few things. Brady has six. The Patriots have six. This drops them down to five. Now, it gives them the perfect season, but it drops them down to five. So they don't no longer have six championships. They only have five. Brady no longer has six championships. He only has five. Is he going to win another one? Are they going to? We don't know, right? And so, like, now you're taking a chance about you're trying to win number six. So those kind of all things kind of come into play here. But that's my hypothetical. Would you trade the 28 to 3, obviously the Atlanta Super Bowl, and another Super Bowl to get the 07, 19, and 0 season? What do you think? I would say no. And here's my reasoning. I know 19 and 0 is literally the only thing this dynasty hasn't accomplished. <laughs> like, that's the only thing they haven't done. You yeah. know, and that's you know why people kind of hang on to that every year when they're four and oh five and oh it's like, oh my god, sixteen and oh, we're gonna do it again, or nineteen and oh, do they have the chance? It's the only thing they haven't accomplished, so that would be really cool. Um, the reason I say no is because it's so cool to think how you've had this dynasty in this run for 19, 20 years, and you've had two little dynasties merged in. You had the three and the four, you know, um three and four years, yeah. Three and four years, and then three and five years. You had 01, 03, 04, and then right. you had you know, 14, 16, 18, right? Did right. you say that? I said that right. Yep. Yeah. You got it. So yep. I think that's so cool in the record books, and you've had the same coach and same quarterback. I know that doesn't really change in the hypothetical, but looking back in 10, 15 years, you know, when I have kids, uh, looking ahead 10, 15 years, you know, looking back, telling them it's like, hey, I live, you know, through this dynasty and I saw two little ones merge in because they were a dynasty after they won three or four. And now they're right. still a dynasty after winning three or five, you right. know, and, and adding to it and, you know, God only knows what happens this year and in years on, but I'd have to say no, no. Okay. All right. And, and, and you have six, you have, you're tied for the most. Right. Brady has more than every other team besides Pittsburgh. <laughs> he wins one more. He right. has more than any franchise. So that, that's why I say no to. Yeah. No, listen, I, I'm I understand that point. Um, so I I actually would probably say no as well. However, I will tell you this. If I had to trade one, I mean it would definitely be the 04 season because the even though they went even though that was their back to back, it just wasn't I don't know. I mean it was unbelievable, but it was just almost like meh, okay. You sound you sound just, so spoiled. Imagine oh saying this God, to anybody else. Right? Imagine like going to Buffalo and saying, Hey, yeah, uh, you know what you only people that can do this. Like, <laughs> to, like even play around with this type of narrative. Right. But that's why it's fun. And so I do think I think that giving up and this is really the issue, right? Is that the 07 season and that game, and again, in my opinion, I'll say it until the end of time until someone else somehow has a has a bigger loss. 
It's the worst loss in the history of sports. In the history of sports, not the history of football, not the history of the Patriots. In the history of sports, but it's not even the favorite. It's not. Forget about underdog over favorite. Forget about everything else. It was one game. You had a chance to go nineteen and zero. You had a chance to do something that nobody else in the history of football has ever done. Yes, I'm talking to you, 1972 Miami Dolphins. You went undefeated. You didn't go 19-0. Sorry, doesn't count. So no one's ever gone 19-0 ever before. You were that close. You were winning late in the fourth quarter. And then some ridiculous helmet catch by some guy who never caught a pass ever again in the NFL beat you. And you lost a perfect season. And it was just like, it, it's it's unbelievable. And the thing is, is like, Yes, you talk about like losses, like you know, think back to 04, where you know the 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 uh, Yankees are up four, you know, three zero on the on the Red Sox and are winning in the bottom of the ninth, and you know the Red Sox come back and win. And so, yes, of course, those are crazy losses, but that's you know that's that's four games. They had four games to come back, right? You get the Buckner thing where they were one out away, and you know everything one strike away, and so it's like, you know, all those things can accumulate and everything else, but like to me. The fact that all the history was on the line. It's not just the game. Because the game is one thing. But it's the history behind the game as well. And it's something that I thought I would never get over. But here's the thing. If a Giants fan comes up to me now and says 18-1. and Or says, hey, we're 2-0 and in Super Bowls against you. And I'm like, hey, you're right, man. But, like, we have six. So, yeah, no big deal. You know? And, and that's the thing is, like, even though it's the biggest, the worst loss in sports, it just doesn't affect us as much as it did because we have a second dynasty that we're going through now. And so it's like, it's one of those things. What I'm really interested in knowing though, this is what I'd really be interested in. A guy like Brady or Belichick or shoot, Teddy Bruschi. Well, I guess it doesn't count for Bruschi because he wasn't here in 2016. But like a guy like that, would he give it up? Would Brady say, you know what? And that's why I always say, Pat. I mean, it'd be unbelievable when this is all when this is all said and done. And I hope they do it. And I'm sure they'll try. And I, you know, I'm hoping they do. I want a thirty for thirty, or like a legit documentary, twenty series about just everything that went on for these past yeah. years because it's so and little stuff like this that that you know you never really hear them about. What, but like I said, when it's all said and done, when they can kind of come out and and talk about it from a different right. perspective. Yeah, I think that's so interesting, and and you know, we got plenty of years left. I'm we're we're not worried about it, but I I thought that was an interesting hypothetical that yeah, uh, you texted me today. People out there, get let us know, tweet at us, send us an email, do whatever you want to do, but you know, get at us somehow and let us know what you think. I mean, would you give up too? And if you did, obviously you had to give it to 2016, but what's the other one you'd give up and why? And I think that that's uh, again, I'm with you, Spags. I mean, I just. uh, Six is just such a nice number, man. I just can't give it. I mean, seven is better, obviously. Here, but, here's you know. one thing, too, to, to wrap up, and I'm going to leave it at this. Say you give up the 05 one or 04. Um, yeah. Or in, that yeah, one. it was 04, but I mean, yeah. yeah. It's like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Then you'll lose to Philly twice. Yeah, I know. I know. And you know what? Yeah, I know. It's two of the worst freaking fan bases in football. Losing, you're either losing to the Giants twice, <laughs> or you're either losing to Philly twice. So pick your poison, man. Like that—that's right. the other way to look at it. So no, I say no, absolutely not. I, I just keep winning them. I, I love, 
I got a Boston City of Champions <laughs> thing I got from Barstool here looking at it. It's outdated because it was after the Red Sox one. I didn't get the right. latest one. Just yep. keep adding to this. I want to keep buying it and pumping money into this little City of Champions stuff. And yep. the McGillicuddy kid who always brings like, you know, 13 years, 16, six, 10 parades. Yeah. Like, I love seeing that. KFC's enemy. It's great. So, all right. Well, yeah. I, I, listen, I mean, no complaints. No complaints on this side. Uh, you know, it just is. I mean, that's I, I, I've talked to my dad. You know, I've been here for a long time, obviously, since before the running championships. And, you know, my dad was saying, I remember after the, I think it was after the, the, uh, the Seahawks Super Bowl. And he said, you know, I I can't, I could never imagine in my wildest dreams looking up and seeing one banner. And now I'm going to look up and see four banners, you know, and now it's six banners and it's like, Oh my God, like, we're, there's six banners up there. It's unbelievable. And I, this you know, is an off-season show, though. <laughs> I know it this. is. I know it is. But you know what, though? No, but no. Everyone's, it, but the thing is this, right? Everyone's talking yeah. about the demise of the dynasty. And that's and what how, I was going to say. You know, you know, right. And it's like. You hear okay. all this shit from the national media right. and, and right. local media, Let's bring media some positivity too. back. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So. So all right, I Stairway think that's to it. seven, baby. Got, right? Let's keep it going. Let's uh, let's pump, let's pump Pat Mahomes. Let's show him. I still think he's better quarterback than Lamar Jackson just because of the things he can do. Let's yeah. show him that it's not his league yet. It's still Tommy's. Uh, he's still around. Uh, young Buck can wait a little bit. So let's uh, let's go get him Sunday. Let's hopefully next show we can uh, talk about what you know the offense did well and what they yeah. can continue to build on and and the defense is going to do their thing. So yeah, hopefully uh, that's will be it for me, Pat. I mean. Yeah, let's go. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you very LFG, much for listening, and, uh, and we'll talk to you next week.